an Ironic Media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. She feels totally loved and supported. And my mom feels really close to me. Mm-hmm. And even though I may not feel that closeness with her, she doesn't have to know that I don't feel it. Right. She just knows that I call her. She just knows that I show up. She just knows that I am in contact with my siblings. So she doesn't see us fractured at all. We may not be as close as she thinks we all are, but she doesn't live with the heartache of this kid doesn't talk to this kid. And I just wish they got along. Dementia Discussions. Here to help and empower our heroic caregivers with knowledge and experience. Dementia Discussions with the caregivers themselves and memory loss professionals. Here to help with 30 years as a geriatric social worker is your Dementia Discussions host, Barbara Hammett. Hello and welcome to Dementia Discussions. I am Barbara Hammett. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome my guest, Sherry Dickard. I know Sherry through the Mary S. Easton Center for Alzheimer's Disease Research at UCLA. She's in a caregiver support group for people with dementia with Lewy bodies. And with that, Sherry, welcome to Dementia Discussions. It's great to have you. Thank you, Barbara. It's good to have a nice conversation with you. You're here to talk about your mom. Paint a picture for us. Tell us about your mother before she had dementia. So my mom was raised an army brat. She moved around, mostly just around the United States. They did live a short time in the Panama, in the Canal Zone, after World War II. And she and my dad actually met in El Paso at Fort Bliss, where he was stationed. And she was living there with her father. And they met outside of church. Was she pretty young when she met your dad? She was in her early 20s. And he's just a couple years older than she is. She turned 82 in May, and my dad is 85. So they've been married a long time. They've been married 61 years. Amazing, huh? What's their yeah. secret? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you guys start noticing changes with her memory? It wasn't necessarily the changes in her memory that started us on the, the road of trying to get more information. It was probably three years ago now, and I have a, I'm one of five, and my youngest sister is a, a professional healer, massage therapy, nutrition, body work, energy work, and she actually lives near my parents, and she has a number of elderly clients, and the information that she had from her clients and the relationships that she has and what she knew about working on their body and bodies and their their health and their medical conditions changing and evolving. And then the things that my mom was saying that she was struggling with or something that was different or something that was changing, my sister connected the dots that even though my mom didn't have the words to say what was going on, she could match it with what she knew people her age were experiencing. And one of those was the freezing, muscles freezing. Mm. And my mom, it's funny because she's always had a really sharp memory about certain things. 
And then sometimes it's just like, I can't remember what I did today. So that had been going on pretty much our whole lives, five kids and a dog and band practice and swim practice, like trying to keep everything straight. But she had these very vivid memories of when she lived in the canal zone, when she lived in Memphis, when she was a little girl and they lived in Boston and she used to go see the make way for ducklings statues on the Boston common. So it was more the physical symptoms that made us start looking for something else. And they started with, oh, my parents are of the generation where you just go to the Western medical doctor, somebody that wears a nice lab, white coat and has their name and credentials embroidered on it and wait for them to tell you if you're healthy or not. So they spent a lot of time waiting to go through that process of, well, what did they say? Well, they don't know. It's inconclusive. Let's do another test. Let's do this test. Okay, now we have to wait a few months to do follow-up test to compare the results. And once they finally had a diagnosis, it was very close to what my sister thought it was. She thought it was Parkinson's, Mm -hmm. but it was dementia with Lewy body. So slightly different things present differently. Some of the things are the same. Once my parents had an official medical diagnosis, then they were willing to do something and take action, which my sister was trying to implement in their lives, but they wouldn't really buy into it because nobody in a lab coat told them to do it. Mm -hmm. So it was things like regular exercise, get outside every day, get some fresh air, see some sunlight, make better choices around food which for my parents, they are very set in their ways. Structure helps a lot of us feel safer and it just makes us feel safer. And like we can do our day, we can do our week, we can do our month, year life, but we have to have certain things happening in a certain way in order for us to feel comfortable and safe. So those changes were coming very slowly but my parents were starting to implement those changes in their lifestyle. My dad has always been an exerciser. My mom has never exercised. So that was really difficult, but that's changed. When she started walking, she would go for like 10 minutes. That was one of the things is before the official diagnosis, we went for a walk around their block. My brother had to go home and get the car because her legs were so weak, she couldn't make it home. Probably in spring of 2020, she was walking maybe 10 minutes a day. And because I was working from home, I got to work from home at their place quite a bit last year. And that was such a blessing. COVID's been very hard for a lot of people. That was a blessing for us. It was a blessing for me. Yeah, absolutely. So you got to be there and see her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. also, I wasn't familiar. My dad had used this term respite. And I didn't know what that meant, really, in the context of being a caregiver. So I was able to do that for him and my sister who lives near them. My sister is there quite often, not every day, but a couple times a week and helps my parents. She goes to all their appointments with them. So it also gave her a break, too, without it being an official respite but it's just the burden isn't only on them for a few weeks at a time. And over the time that I was there with my mom, she went from walking barely 10 minutes to I clocked it on Strava and it was, we walked a half a mile 
Wow. Yes, that's what I thought. So I snap a picture on the, the phone and then send it to my siblings and show where we had walked in the neighborhood. Once she started taking positive actions, she responded quickly to them. Then it kind of seemed like May of this year, I went up again. My dad wanted to go out of town. So it was right around Memorial Day weekend or the week before that. I went up there so he could go out of town. And my sister Jeannie was not around. So it's just my mom and I. And I was describing it to people like a slumber party. (laughs) We had fun. We were enjoying each other's company. We were doing little activities. We ran a few errands. And then I went back the next month and she didn't have that same energy. And I was like, oh, was she so excited because my dad was out of town for a week? It was like mm-hmm. that the energy was slumber party or has she plateaued and now we're going to be entering into a new phase? And don't really have a, an answer on that because another friend of mine pointed out that everybody has up days and down days and maybe mm-hmm. she was just off and So one month to the next may give information or it may not give a lot of information. And then it got complicated on the next visit up there because a different sibling was visiting at the same time. We are all on the same page with how we want to support my dad, how we want to support my mom. However, we all have our own stuff and our own relationship with each of them and then our own relationships with each other. So on some of the visits, that influences what the visit is like as well. Yeah, I would imagine Uh, it changes the nature. It's not just you and your mom, like girls weekend. Now, like suddenly if you're, I don't know, is it a brother or? I have one brother and there's four, yeah, four sisters. Uh So yeah, the dynamic changes when there's three of you there. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was, it was so hopeful when she improved quickly, once she first started doing different things for herself. And now that seems to have slowed down. So now it's kind of like, okay, so what what happens next? And what's been really great for me in participating in the support group, even though I'm not the primary caregiver, it does give me information and points of reference. If someone's listening to this podcast and they don't actually participate in a group, I, I encourage you to try it out because it's helpful in ways that you may not know you need that support yourself. An example that I give people, because I have, I know people that are going through different things with different family members. So I just share with them, we had met on a Tuesday night at our regular time. And the next day, my sister, Jeannie, who lives near my mom, had shared with me some information that I knew I could reach out to you and to Lucy, who was our neuroscientist PhD candidate that was working with us at the time, to give me information that made it helpful to understand more what was going on with my mom. And that was, she was zoning out, is how I would say it, how it was described. And having the conversation with Lucy, we talked about auditory hallucinations and where that, she's she's just so great. I don't think I'll do her justice when I relay back the information she gave me, but like what part of the brain is affected and then why that affects one part of the brain, but not the other and how it looks like this and why it won't present like that. And the best information was, yes, it happened, but this doesn't automatically thrust you into the next stage of 
not disintegrating. That's not the right word, but decline, right? Decline, right. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yes, it happened. And yes, it's part of the thing, but you're not falling off a cliff necessarily. And you hear people in the group talk about hallucinations as part of Mm -hmm. Lewy body dementia. What I find interesting is your mom was having physical problems. That's what you were saying. And Mm -hmm. they diagnosed her. I, your sister, I think, was that's usually how it goes is you get diagnosed with Parkinson's first because of the physical problems mm-hmm. and then usually Lewy body later. But it sounds like the doctors diagnosed her with Lewy body right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Was she having hallucinations or any of the other issues? No, no, it, it, it came back after one of the tests that they had given her. Well, there you go. Yeah. And did they put her on any any special medication or? She is on medication. I don't know what they are, but it's not as much as I I hear other people's loved ones being on. Does she have any behavioral issues like agitation? She does have agitation. She has a lot of stress and worry. And sometimes that's hard to untangle with the anxiety that she had since her childhood and other family dynamics from her child and her marriage and her relationships with her siblings, that was always there. So it was maybe that that was having the physical symptoms then made it possible to say, oh, no, this isn't, even though the anxiety looks the same or the agitation looks the same, it's different because this other stuff is going on. But that's one of the things that is really helpful. Yet one of the things she doesn't intuitively do for herself is, especially with COVID, when they were locked up, inside because up northern california the weather's not always nice and so they wouldn't necessarily have the windows open or go outside and that energy bounces back upon itself it's hard to have somebody who's experiencing anxiety to regroup with their their breathing and slow it down so those are all things we try to introduce while we're there with her like when i'm visiting I just open up the doors unless it's freezing out or up until it starts to get above 80 in the summertime, just to, you know, have the air circulate in in the house. It helps. So it helps calm her down. It helps, even if she doesn't necessarily recognize it. And then sometimes even even just getting her to go into the backyard, even if she doesn't want to go for a walk. She's been really good about doing her exercises consistently. She does have a caregiver that comes in who started with two days a week and then three days a week. My and parents when did, moved up. When did that start? That started in 2020. Mm-hmm. So about the spring of 2020. So it's somebody who's there that keeps her occupied, keeps her engaged, helps, helps her do the chores and tasks around the house that she's always done but can't necessarily do as well as she used to. And so my mom is always cleaning. It's one of one of her stress relievers is, well, if I can just keep it clean, then at least that's taken care of. So it's a lot of straightening up the house and a couple house cleaning projects or things like that. And then the caregiver helps with lunch, would also help start prep dinner. So my dad didn't necessarily have to cook a dinner every night. So she'd take care of lunch and she'd help my mom with the chores around the house and then the exercises. And how was your mom at accepting this person? Did that go smoothly? Most 
caregivers, it's gone smoothly. The first young lady, she really liked her. The second young lady, she really liked her because then she, the woman had moved up from Modesto to Sacramento and then her husband's job transferred him. So she was there for a few months. The next young lady was there for probably eight or nine months. And then she had her own life changing things but going on. Your mom, like how it was your mom, your mom was okay bringing yeah. someone in? Oh, bringing some, yes. She liked them. They were good company for her. She enjoyed showing photo albums and talking about people and family members and like the history of where they lived and just stories. So um, your mom sounds like a pretty social person. She can be. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So she enjoyed having someone else there. Yes. To yeah. Talk to, to be with her, to clean with. Yep. She was not opposed to someone coming in the house, but she was also really clear when they had substitutes or when they had to change and they hadn't settled on the next new person. If she did not like them, she would say, so everybody that's been there long-term is somebody that my mom has liked. I see. Yeah. So if it's a short term, she's like, okay, this is fine, but I don't want this person long term. So it's very much about how comfortable she feels with the person. Yeah. And then your dad is able to get the respite that he was talking about. Mm-hmm. He's, he can do some of his errands. He can take some care of some of his paperwork and all of his the stuff that keeps us all so busy. And time out in the garden for him He's always loved his backyard, so for him to fiddle with the plants and be out there, it gives him a little time. One of the things they added in and were able to do just for a few short months is she went to a senior daycare, so a a memory care center, but it's only for a few hours every day. And how Um, was that for her? She did not love it. I had a conversation with her about it, and what she said is, they're nice people, but they're not my friends. And so how that was different of the things that she's lost, which was she used to play bunco. Actually, that was one of the the mental things when she couldn't keep score and couldn't play the game. That was one of the indicators that her, her mental capacity was diminishing. It was that. And then there was some banking mistakes because she always kept the checkbook. Mm -hmm. And she was trying to reconcile the check or the monthly statement and it wasn't working out so that's that's how they saw that she was making a mistake well it was a few mistakes but nothing too severe so she lost being able to play with that group of friends and that socialization and that was once a month she used to do a thing at church where they would fold the bulletins every week on a thursday for sunday mass and they went to a new printer so they stopped doing that so they stopped meeting every week with those ladies so those were were social groups that were organic to her. She was drawn to them because she had an interest. And this other place didn't have that same starting point. So it didn't last very long. No, she was going. She was funny. She was funny because on Wednesday night, she would go on Thursdays. On Wednesdays, she'd be like, okay, I have to get everything ready. Like she'd remind my dad, we have to have to get her medications lined up and then she just needed to bring a special bag because you can't, you can't have a big purse to bring in and just make sure everything was set up. So she would always remind him that tomorrow's the day, which she would remember every Wednesday <laughs> that tomorrow's <laughs> the day. We're like, oh, okay. 
And she enjoyed the conversations with people and she would learn things about them and come home and tell, share stories about who she had talked to and what they had done. So she didn't hate it. No, it sounds and like she, she actually might have enjoyed it. She might have enjoyed it. She didn't ask to not do it. Right. But they were having some policy changes. My parents are not going to stay with that program through the end of the year. So they've added a caregiver to come in an additional day. I see. Okay. Well, how they changed that up is the caregivers usually just stay at home with my mom. Mm-hmm. And they made on this additional day, this person can take my mom out of the house. So I, I know when we spoke last Tuesday, I said that she started working with a trainer at the gym. So that's the caregiver takes her over to the gym so she can work with a trainer and they can run errands if they want to. That's a major accomplishment that you got your mom really working out, like exercising yeah. more than she ever had. Yeah. 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 Well, she did like, she was working with a trainer before COVID. It was more like group exercise and she did like doing that. But, you know, it was the social aspect that she would like more than the actual exercise. Right, right. So the caregiver's at home. She has somebody to do it with. And then this trainer, even though it's one-on-one with the trainer, the caregiver's there too. So it's very social. So you live down here in L.A. and your folks live up north. Right. How often do you get up there? Like I said, last year, during I worked from yeah, you home worked from quite there. a bit. And, now? and so, and now I'm back in the office officially. It started, we'll just say September. So I haven't been up there since I, I think mid August was the last time I went up there because it was kind of my last hurrah, is what we were calling it. And next year will look different because I'm very fortunate that my company guarantees three weeks family medical leave. And so I'll be able to use that. And I also have vacation time that I can use to get up there. So I'd really try and coordinate with siblings, especially Jeannie, who lives up there. Like, when do you need relief? When do you need extra help? And my boss is very supportive of when you need to take off to take care of your family and support them. We will figure out everything else. You go and do that. That is so great. That is just great. Yes. So I haven't been up there in a while. I I call them once or twice a week and get to talk to them. And sometimes my mom is just spot on with a conversation in the evening. And sometimes she's just really worn out. So it's like, okay, well, I'll call you in a couple of days. Do you ever do FaceTime or Skype with her? She does not enjoy that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she has a hard time. She'll do FaceTime on my sister's iPhones more comfortably than she will Zoom or another platform, video conferencing platform, because she doesn't like to sit at the desk. Oh, I see. And her language is is intact. It's mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it is. So any other changes that you notice over time? She is more weepy and emotional than she had been before. And sometimes it seems like it's ungrounded, sort of like that it's not necessarily directly related to what's going on that day or specifically even with her Lewy body dementia. It might be something from a long time ago that just never got attention. 
So just she'll start crying, and you won't know why. Right. Hmm, so like volatile mood. Interesting. Volatile to me, it seems more explosive. So it's it's more unpredictable. Even that might be a little strong. You just kind of there's a gentle flow, and then all of a sudden you're in another place. So not volatile, like, really. Just suddenly sad, or just mm-hmm. dysphoric, mm-hmm. or yeah, interesting. You don't and know if, if that's something she's thinking about from way back. Right. It's making her sad or missing her mom or who knows. Do you ever ask her? Do you ever say, what are you thinking about? When it comes up for me when I'm there, even if it's the first day that I'm there, she'll be sad about me leaving in a few days. Mm, so she'll be anticipating you're going yeah. to leave and be sad about that. Yeah. That's amazing that she can think that all through. Yeah. So it's hard to stay in the moment when it's like, well, that's not happening for a few days. Like we're just in, we're just doing today. We just did the breakfast dishes. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that's what people deal with and it, and their parent doesn't even have dementia or Alzheimer's. It's just life. Mm-hmm. It's how it expresses itself. Yeah. We had that, I don't know if he's a doctor, but Jay Westbrook. Oh, in service today, I wasn't able to hear it on yeah. anticipatory grief. Was How was it? Exactly. It was amazing. Oh, good. Both in a more universal way and a very specific way to what all the caregivers, what everybody, who whoever called in and participated, specific to them and what's going on with their family and their loved ones, but also just how to compassionately witness someone's grief. Should I have him come on this podcast? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. He's great. He's a great speaker. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. and my takeaway was just because I don't feel comfortable or confident or competent in being with somebody who is struggling emotionally, whether it's grief or another form of loss or fear or whatever, doesn't actually prevent me from supporting them and being present. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is give myself my pause and say, this isn't about me. You know, I can be with my discomfort in a way that's of greater service to someone else. And it's only, only temporarily. Right, only, just by being there. Right. Right. Yeah. Not trying to fix my discomfort mm-hmm. by saying something that I think makes it better. Okay. That's a good message. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good thing. You uh-huh. can do that. You can wrestle with your discomfort. Yeah. In the yeah. Moment. And so that's another wonderful thing that, is available another resource, you know, not just at the support group that we're, we're on, but there's other places that people can go if a support group isn't the right place for them. Yeah, you were mentioning that before. So it's true. Support group leaders are resources for you. So mm-hmm. you've been able mm-hmm. to reach out to Monica and myself when mm-hmm. you've had questions or to Lucy, who was the co-facilitator at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so and, these in-services that happen every so often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And fun. there's other activities and that are shared, too, and other websites. Check this out. This is available. And the other people who participate, every we meet every couple of weeks. So they're every couple of weeks, maybe once a month. But the honesty and vulnerability and sometimes the anger and the hurt, just that palette of what the experience is, is Maybe scary, but it's a resource that for me balances out when I have those feelings. 
Yeah, I guess it normalizes it. Mm-hmm. And maybe it gives you perspective what your dad is feeling. Yeah, I was, and I was going to say it gives, gives it context, too. Yeah, because you're hearing other spouses who are in mm-hmm. his position. Yeah. You talked about having this great like stretch of time with your mom, and then having that weekend, there's just the two of you. Is there anything over time within your journey with your mom that you feel bad about? There's stuff that's probably not specifically related to the disease that she has now, but just lifetime, you know, just childhood stuff mm-hmm. that either I didn't feel like I had those relationship skills to be vulnerable with my mom, whatever fears and things that I had that didn't allow that openness. Even though I feel that, my mom doesn't feel that towards me. She feels totally loved and supported. And my mom feels really close to me. Mm-hmm. And even though I may not feel that closeness with her, she doesn't have to know that I don't feel it. Right. She just knows that I call her. She just knows that I show up. She just knows that I am in contact with my siblings. So she doesn't see us fractured at all. We may not be as close as she thinks we all are, but she doesn't live with the heartache of this kid doesn't talk to this kid. And I just wish they got along. And that's not, that's not a feeling, a new feeling in the last three years. No. You're feeling that she feels close to you, but you don't necessarily feel close to her. That's not new. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate it more that that's the space that she lives in. I mean, I guess on her end, that's a nice place to to Mm -hmm. be, right? To feel that she feels close to you Mm -hmm. and that she has that in her mind. In her mind, she's close to her daughter, Sherry. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and that, in her heart. And in her heart, right. Yeah. She's close to her daughter. And I guess you're right. I mean, like, regardless of how you experience your relationship, mm-hmm. at least you know she has that. Right. Yeah. So when it's hard or when I'm frustrated, I don't know if I can, you want to call that, put it aside or compartmentalize it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess it. I guess it depends on what your degrees are in. I can still show up. I can still show up lovingly and care for her and care for my dad. Yeah, you can put those issues aside, that history aside and be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good for you. That's that sounds like a lot of therapy. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> a lot of writing, yeah. <laughs> a lot of writing, a lot of work on your part. Just as an aside, like do your siblings feel the same way? I would say so. You do. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't I don't think any of them are when we can we put it side by side and some people would say, oh, my mom's my best friend. I don't think any of us are saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well at least you're consistent. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's not like yeah. your mom got really close to one of you and not the rest, or all of you, but you know, four out of five of you. It's it's consistent across the board, so that's good. Yeah. Huh. You know, back to when I was saying how my mom had such a great memory, a memory with events and remembering them. Mm-hmm. Probably like 10 years ago, I told this story 
or I asked a question. I was like, did you guys ever see Mac Davis in concert? Because it was this random thing that popped up in my head because they have the oldie station on. They're like, yeah, we went to Tahoe and he, we saw him perform at one of the casinos and I wasn't on that trip. And so my sister Jeannie had said, she's like, this would be the most fun game. Just go randomly. And then my mom went right to the photo album where the pictures were of that trip. She's like, we should just make up events to see if mom has a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, randomly showed up things. And I'm like, well, well, there'll be a point where we are making up stuff. And then that'll make her crazy. She'll right. be looking for these pictures. That she doesn't have. Yeah. yeah. Right. She never right. had. But if it was a real thing, she knew exactly which photo album it was in and could tell the whole story about the whole event. Mm, that's fun. Yeah. 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 Very sweet. Sherry, thank you. I really want to thank you for coming on today. I've appreciated your courage to tell your story and your honesty. And I look forward to seeing you in group. Thank you for joining us today on another episode of Dementia Discussions. If you're a caregiver or know someone who's a caregiver that would like to be a guest on the show, please call me at 310-362-8232 or go to DementiaDiscussions.net forward slash contact and let me know. It takes courage because not everyone's willing to do that. I would love to have you. Remember that you can follow Dementia Discussions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would mean a lot if you would leave a review. For any other information about this podcast, please visit me at DementiaDiscussions.net. And please share this podcast with someone you know if you think it may help. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you here again next time on Dementia Discussions.